Careful now. Boing. So cool to be playing vinyl. Vinyl. Took the record off the turntable. You ready for this? Welcome to Behind the Vinyl. Here's your host, Stu Jeffries. Here we go again. More opportunities for you to learn about your favorite musicians and the stories about some of their biggest songs. Coming up, Midge Ewer, the main guy behind the huge charity fundraiser hit Do They Know It's Christmas, talks about what it was like herding cats, also known as organizing some of the biggest names in music to record a song. Can you imagine how daunting this was? All these artists all standing here about to perform a song they'd never heard in front of all the contemporaries. Before we get to that, let's hear from Taylor Dane and her humble beginnings of performing in some rather interesting venues. Going back in time, although she's not playing. There we go. Well, this is my first single. This is Tell It To My Heart, and this is where it all began for me, really, ultimately. Um, I was working in a Russian nightclub, (laughs) Brighton Beach, and um, my production partner at the time, I think I was 20 years old, was Rick Wake. He was 19, and uh, he really believed in my voice and um, graduated high school a couple years before that and was driving down the West Side Highway. I'm from New York. And uh, Rick was like, we need that song. We need that crossover song. And I'd done a couple of bands already, and I'd done original bands, and I played every club in New York. And I was like, a crossover. I go, well, everybody's getting these 12 inches. Everybody's getting these dance deals, and I don't want to be in a band anymore. And he goes, well, we need that crossover so we can get on the mix shows at night. And I go, well, let me see. Let me see. Let me think about this. So were we going to write it? Were we not going to write it? Anyway, long story short is I'm driving around in New York City and I'm on the West Side Highway and I see a kid, Anthony, that I went to high school with and he goes, Leslie, what are you doing? And we're talking for a minute and he goes, listen, I go, I'm just trying to find a song and I'm just working, you know, I'm recording and I'm singing. He goes, well, you always were doing that. And he goes, listen, I know a girl at Warner Chapel Publishing and I used to work there with her. He goes, let me give her a call. Well, long story short, she, we met, she gave me a cassette <laughs> with about five songs on it and one of them was Tell It To My Heart. And I played it for Rick, and Rick, or the tape, and Rick said, I like that song the best. He goes, let's call your dad. So we called my dad, and at that point, like I said, I'd already been working in many clubs, and we'd already done a couple of 12 inches under Leslie, and we knew enough in in the promotion world, in the 12 inch world, on how to get a single out, not necessarily on radio, but crossover. And so we did a contract with my dad for $6,000 to record Tell It To My Heart, and um, this is not the first original cover. The first original cover of this 12-inch had no picture on it. I think that was the point. Um, And I remember the day I took this picture. It was the first photo shoot I ever did. Pretty damn good, eh? Um, They put a lot of hair, a lot of fake hair, a lot of hair clips in. And that was a skirt I was wearing. I used to hang out on 2nd Avenue and 8th Street. And that was a skirt, and we put it in my hair, and this was from Love Spit Love, and there was a lot of those clubs down there. If you know Dance Interior and Private Eyes, this was all really uh, mid-80s, really, you know, that stuff you see in Madonna's video and the first stuff, Like a Virgin, and that earlier stuff. That's where we, we were all hanging out. And um, these were some of those really influential new designers. You know, this was leather, pleather, and it was just uh, obviously a pretty impactful look, although I didn't know it when I was basically... <laughs> to the camera but um, that was my first video too and uh, it just goes to show you timing is everything on some level but that overnight success and stardom is all those 20 years before and 
um, we could never imagine what we stepped into and where, where it was all going, but we definitely had the heart and the passion for it. And that is my story of Tell It To My Heart. There's Taylor Dane with Tell It To My Heart on Behind The Vinyl. I'm Stu Jeffries with a great story about the making of Do They Know It's Christmas right after we hear from Gord Depp at the Spoons. Gord's a great guy, super down to earth. Do you think that being a pop star, a person would be used to meeting some big names in the industry? Not the case. Here Gord talks about a few of the big names he met while recording areas and symphonies in London. Now, obviously, by this time, we'd made Ari's our Nova Heart, and it was a, a hit across the country. And because of it, we we're, were in a small label, as you can see, Ready Records is spinning around there. Small Canadian label had Blue Peter and the Demix in New York City. And all of a sudden, AM Los Angeles was interested in us. And they came up and saw us at a little bar, they signed us next morning. It was that, that quick. So we suddenly had a budget to do something, you know, on an international scale. And John said, let's do the album in, in England. Said, yeah, we have the money, why not, right? So we went to George Martin's studio and Air Studios in London, right downtown London. Like incredible stuff had been made, you know, right from Sgt. Pepper days to the current, you know, Japan was recording them, we were there. and uh, That was a big move for us. All of a sudden we realized this is getting serious. You know? And um, this song, it's kind of the theme of the album. This is kind of like our... Um, Brick in the wall. Aria's and Symphonies. Aria's like a, a moment in a, in a musical production where the, the solo shines and stands out for the big symphony. So it's all about preconceived notions of what you should be, like as a, as a boy growing up or as a young girl growing up. That's why it starts, it starts off with the line, is it hard to be the kind of man you want to be? Um, that's really the theme of the whole thing. Coming Just coming out of school, you know, we we're sort of always played with that theme, you know, being individual and not being part of the, the big machine. I remember coming to to London and John Ponder taking us into Air Studios, which is a big deal. And I remember, you know, working on this song like this, and this guy comes in, shirt sleeves rolled up. It was George Martin. I shake everybody's hand, but but at the time I was so into '80s bands. I was more you know interested in waiting to to meet um like Dave Sillian or something from Japan. I didn't even, okay, hi, you know. It's like now it's incredible. You know, I wish I was back there to chat with him some more. But I guess we were just one of thousands of bands that came through. His, his hallowed halls there, but George Martin came in, and all the people that we met just being there, I mean, Pretenders were there, Dexy's Midnight Runners were there, Paul McCartney was just coming, it was just, like I said, all of a sudden we felt like we were on the international stage, you know, just being that company. Um, we recorded most of the album in Toronto, but we did all the vocals and mixes at air. Um, it was a great experience, and I think every album that we ever made kind of absorb some of the city that you're in like if you record it in Toronto it's kind of very at least I feel it I feel it but there's definitely a lot of London in this I can just feel it you know we made another album in Wales and I can sort of get the feeling of the hills and the sheep and the and the castles but this is like London it's like back cobbled streets and kind of walking and getting lost and in the fog and the sort of emerging again hopefully there's kind of a worthwhile journey in between it's sort of very but lot, lots of layers and depth to it. And not just in the arrangements, but lyrically. And um, yeah, I think it comes across. Yeah, it's, it's great hearing it again. Um, big influence before we made this, if anybody is a fan of, of Ultravox, Vienna album. If you didn't know it, but the, the cover, this is the Spanish writing school in Vienna. I mean, also when we saw that picture, it said perfect, because we loved that whole direction that they were taking. 
And Mitchell's just in town. I was hoping to bump in. Do we talked by email? Because one of the biggest compliments we ever got got was this song in NME magazine in London said it was the best song that Ultravox never wrote, which I didn't believe because like I looked up to those guys like God. I thought that was quite a compliment, you know, that, especially because we were trying to achieve that level of sophistication. I guess we did. Yeah. We still play this to this day. I mean, I, I do this as a rock song on my three-piece band. Sometimes it still works. And I can do it acoustically on acoustic guitar. I've done that lately. I did an unplugged thing with Gowan, and he did his songs on piano. I just did them on acoustic guitar. And it was amazing how these songs, whether Nova Heart or Arias, they all translate really well into like campfire songs pretty pretty well. Um, even though there's so much going on, really. It's like the, the thesis at the end of our musical education. There's, there's way too much going on here, but it's great for its time. I love it. I remember when we got the sleeve that um, Peter Noble been working on. He worked he did all kinds of big albums, and then we got this, the mix, final mix. Let's put two together. We said we're ready. Well, this is we're ready to take on the world. We really believe we had something, and um, the rest is history, I guess. The spoons with Gord Depp, areas and symphonies on behind the vinyl. When it comes to pop music Christmas songs, one, if not the biggest one, is from Band Aid. Do they know it's Christmas? So many stars came together to record just a few lines of the song, then stick around for the chorus. And if you think that's an easy job, think again. Midge Ure was the man responsible for putting it all together, and here he shares his experience. It's Christmas time There's no need to be afraid a Christmas song with the most ominous opening ever. That whole rhythmic thing. It's all my voice multi-tracked and sampled and slowed down. Boy George. George Michael. I, I, um, I played all the instruments on this, um, except uh, Phil Collins' drums, of course. <laughs> Poor old Phil, he had, he had one day off uh, from recording his album. He was in London, and it was a Sunday afternoon, and it was his one day off. And he came in and sat with all the artists. And uh, while I'm trying to get vocal performances out of everyone who had never heard the song by the way none of them had heard this Phil sat for five hours and every so often his head would pop up and he'd say you ready for me yet boss that's it half an hour Phil said, okay and he sat there absolutely perfectly he got up to do his drums eventually did it perfectly perfectly first take was brilliant and he thought he overplayed so he did another take and simplified it, and that's what's on the record. Can you imagine how daunting this was? All these artists all standing here, about to perform a song they'd never heard, in front of all the contemporaries, all the peers, 
and the first person up on a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock or whatever it was, I think was Tony Hadley from Spandau Ballet. And uh, he not only had to stand there in this great big empty studio with a microphone, with all these peers all standing at the glass control room all looking at him, you know, waiting for him to go, and he had a camera stuck in his face, which was even worse. We spent 24 hours in the studio recording all the vocals and all the Feed the World bits, Phil's drums, and mixing the record. And it was 8 o'clock in the morning, next morning, and I had just finished the mix. And Bob Geldof took a cassette to the BBC, <clears throat> a big national radio station. And on my way home, driving my car on the way home, and the radio on, and I heard the cassette getting played on the radio for the first time. Unheard of, the BBC don't play cassettes. And the moment it finished, they rewound it and played it again. That was Mid-Your giving insight on the challenges of putting together one of the biggest musical ensembles of the 80s, Band-Aids Do They Know It's Christmas. This has been another episode of Behind the Vinyl, the podcast. I'm Stu Jeffries, and thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this one, chances are good you'll enjoy our other ones as well. Please check them out when you get a chance. We'll catch up again shortly. This has been Behind the Vinyl, the podcast, hosted by Stu Jeffries. Audio production courtesy of Doug Morehouse, Derek Walsman, and Troy McCallum. Thanks for listening.